What's up everybody, this is Elliot Terrell, and you're listening to Magical Thinking, brought to you by artofmagic.com. Our guest for this episode is Marcy Hume. She developed and directed the documentary that's been going around called Magician's Life in the Impossible. You can find it on Netflix if you haven't seen it. She's had a pretty great career in documentary making. She's worked for the BBC, National Geographic, the Discovery Channel, and she's been a magician for a little over a decade. She reached out to me and we sat down for a chat and we barely talked about the movie. If you stick all the way to the end of the episode, you'll hear us talk about the movie a little bit. And we have an interesting two-way conversation about fears and hopes and goals and thoughts on magic and it's really great i know you guys are going to enjoy listening to it and it's a pretty personal exchange between two people who had never met i drove up to la got out of the car and we started recording basically so after a two and a half hour drive this is what it sounds like for me to kind of get into the talking space (laughs) anyway it's great It's really interesting, and hopefully it'll make you think about the way that you do magic and what your goals are in magic for yourself. If you haven't already, of course, follow us on all the social media channels. Give us a like on Facebook with at Treasure of Wonder and at Magical Thinking Podcast. Also join the group if you haven't already so that you can be a part of the conversation. A bunch of people are posting really cool things that inspire them, ask questions, starting discussions. It's a great place to be. You can find us by searching Magical Thinking on Facebook. Art of Magic is doing a weekly Instagram contest where you perform something that you've learned from artofmagic.com. You use the hashtag Art of Magic and you tag us at Treasury of Wonder. And I will go in randomly every week and pick someone who has performed something from the site and you win a $50 gift certificate to Art of Magic and your Instagram profile and video are featured in our newsletter that we send out. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. There's a big chance to gain followers and win a bunch of magic from Art of Magic, which is really cool. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up, but in the meantime, get into Marcy's episode. Let me know what you think by emailing me at podcast at artofmagic.com. And she also gives her email for a little side quest at the end of the episode. So get into that as well. Anyway, Marcy Hume, enjoy. I want to talk about the idea of truth and fabrication and how you tell stories in an interesting way and why people think of reality TV as fake and documentaries as true and where the industry is going and what storytelling is, I guess. So, lofty goals. Yeah. I, I feel like ideas are my favorite thing in the world and I feel like adult life is just trying like hell to find ways that still aren't just kind of monotonous work and include your ideas and thinking and your day-to-day life and I, I find it tricky because I think people are pretty bent on I don't know just like doing their jobs and you know and not really having those philosophical moments and I need them to live I feel like do you have a lot of time for ideas in your life when well, you're doing a podcast so that helps it does help okay <laughs> Um, Can I take this off because it's just uh, let's see. Again. Wow, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, that's kind of the whole thing with the podcast is, mm. you know, I have my own ideas about what magic is and what it ought to be and what it shouldn't be, and those are things that I'm trying to put out into the world. Great. That's yeah. how I felt about magic the first few years I was into it. I was just obsessed with 
my own ideas, honestly, about magic. And I was like, I was seeking them in the world of magic. I was trying to engage in conversations that reflected that back to me and kind of advance that. And I found it really tricky at first. What kind of ideas were you looking I think, for? I think in general, I still feel like I just want to figure out how magic can be its best self, its best. What does that mean? I think for me, it's just about, you know, I, I think magic can be about, it can be about anything, right? You can infuse your own themes and ideas and, and use it in that capacity. But I think for me, it's, it, it's best is when it, it really changes our perspective and lets us reflect on something and experience this joy in the unknown and I think a lot of magic is, you know, performed in a way that doesn't, I don't know, that doesn't fulfill its potential. Maybe it fulfills its potential for that performer, and I shouldn't be a judgmental asshole, but I think I'm just interested in as big as it can get and as kind of deep as the ideas can get. And I think a lot of magic is, is not set up for that, you know, people inventing gimmicks that can be sold by the tens of thousands or whatever is not necessarily meant for exploration of ideas so that's what I always want and I want to also figure out I always, always want to talk about what are we doing with this what the fuck are we doing with this with magic and with, with mentalism what are we trying to do what are we giving people and I don't think there has to be an answer but I think that, that there has to be that question you're not recording are you? Mm-hmm. oh shit sorry I would have phrased it better maybe Okay, I'll sit up straight. I didn't make any notes. I didn't make any changes. <laughs> you didn't have to do anything differently. This is what it is. Okay. Can we keep talking about magic forever? Mm-hmm. So wait, tell me what your... I, I know I should go back and listen to the, all of the podcasts to learn this, but what do you... Why did you start a <laughs> podcast about magic? Like, what do you want out of this experience? Uh, I don't... I, I, we probably agree on this. I don't think that a lot of people performing consider the audience's perspective. We have a duty because people see so few magicians and so little magic. Every time we get out and do something for a layperson, it's an opportunity for us to educate them as to what good magic can be. And that means that we have to do good magic. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what this whole thing is about. Yeah. Getting people to think about what they're doing. Yeah. Instead I, of doing it because they like the method or because it gets a good reaction. Right. And I think sometimes that the, the world of magic and the kind of uh, the social world of magic pushes in the opposite direction. It's sort of, you know, obviously it can help people, you know, in kind of working through things obviously that can be crucial to somebody's performance but i also think it can push everybody down the same ruts and in the same directions and i for me i think i i love it when people you know just go so far outside of what you would expect that even if it even if it you know means that it's not technically a magic show or that it's you know it, it just uses magic in a in a different way i just i just crave that i crave seeing people that are that are obsessed with an idea and or a theme or or a question and use magic to express that and to and to push it and at that point you know and 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 so it feels so rare i mean that's what i when i think about magic that's mostly what i'm thinking about 
which is why I don't have a huge spectrum of methods that I use when I perform. I usually use like the same few things and then just try to change what it is that I'm doing around it. Um, but maybe that's not the greatest approach, but that's been my approach because it helps me to figure out how I can go off the rails a little bit with the ideas. Can you give me an example? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the concepts, I talked about this recently, one of the concepts that I have always been obsessed with is the kind of simplicity of the one ahead concept. And I think for me, I, I like challenging myself with that to infuse it in different ways so that there isn't, you know, I'm not great with cards because I, you know, started really late in magic. And I also think I've seen, you know, these extraordinary card magicians. So I'm pretty apathetic about upping my card skills because I just think, what what am I trying to do here? Like, am, am I trying to just reach, you know, the level of being average? Like, that doesn't sound great to me. So, so in starting, in sort of setting off a routine based on the one ahead concept, I try and find other ways that I can kind of you know, get information or guess information that kind of starts it off as it were. So the first thing isn't, you know, a card force or anything like that. Um, I guess another concept that is simple, but I like finding different, many, many different iterations of it. It's just the concept of multiple outs, you know, just having outs that are um, unexpected or just a, a vast number of them where you can sort of you know, my goal is always to give people an experience that, of course, feels impossible, but also feels completely personal to them. And if you're reading their mind, feels like you are, feels like they're being known. Mm -hmm. They're being, you know, that they they are known by another person. That there's something, Why? some essence of them. Because I think that's one of the things we want as people is to be known. And I think we want to feel like people are seeing us, and people mm -hmm. are, you know, that that we are. Um, you know, that there's something special about us. That's just my intelligentsia coffee maker. Please ignore that. Um, and so I think with mentalism, that's for me the experience that I want to push as far as I can is how do people feel, feel known and connected to other people and feel that there is a way ultimately that, you know, in ways that we don't understand, we are connected to other people. Your face is so serious and I love it and I'm terrified of it at the same time and your face up on your chin in that kind of studious way i'm just i'm just listening to what you're saying and agreeing I with like it. it i think I it's like... you know i think that's a beautiful thing and uh, yeah as actually i talked about this in another episode so the people listening have <laughs> heard me bloviate about it but <laughs> there's i have a, an idea for a, a show closer that is very similar to what you're talking about, but it's I, the rough idea for the show is that I am very uh, personal and forthcoming about who I am and how I got to be what I am and sharing, you know, basically all the things I didn't like about myself that I changed and got better at and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And the idea for the closer of the show is to ask somebody to come up and be as vulnerable as I had been throughout the show mm. and have them share on stage. I like that. So that's fun. And, and, and as a way to open up that uh, dialogue between the unspoken dialogue of seeing someone and accepting someone and being open to them. Yeah. I think there's, you know, because mentalism has, has you know, obviously for a long time, but especially with performers like Darren Brown taking this, very psychological track 
God, I'm terrified. I think of Max sitting here and going, well, Marcy, actually, here's how it all played out. But I think there's something to really play with, with, you know, let me, let me phrase it this way. I think, I think what happens with mentalism now is that, um, is that we forget what elements of mentalism really are psychological, that really are not just even psychological forces, but that you can really play with, you know, beyond cold reading, just what you what you can read from another person. And, you know, I think because the, the effects or the, or the methods of mentalism are so strong at times and they're so kind of secure that we don't go into uncharted territory with it very much. And I think that's what I, I love to do. And I haven't been particularly brave in doing it. And I want to be more brave in doing it. Um, and just just using all of those interpersonal skills to create just a really extraordinary experience for someone. And I, you know, all of the stuff that, that we sort of imply, if you're using that kind of um, psychological explanation of mentalism, you know, you imply that you're watching their eyes or you imply whatever it is that you imply with body language reading or whatever it, the, the kind of unspoken narrative is. Some of that stuff really is uncharted territory of the mind. And I don't mean just body language, but just just the ways that we read things from people and the ways that we know people and the reasons we make certain choices. I mean, that's another kind of narrative in mentalism is like, oh, you made this choice and I knew you were going to make this choice, right? That story is everywhere. And I think there's so much more to explore with that because I mean, it, it plays into psychology and neuroscience and the kind of, um, you know, the kind of greatest questions of our minds who, you know, why are we who we are? And so that's the kind of territory that I would like to, that I'm trying to start to dive into. I mean, I've been trying to for 10 years, but you know, I, <laughs> it's, it, there's sort of infinite possibility there. So I'm always pushing myself to do more. What do you, what, what do you like to do? <laughs> How do you push yourself? The most, do you think? Imagine. Yeah. I don't. Why not? I don't perform. Oh, I see. I don't perform very much, so I guess we're on the same page with that. I, I sit in rooms and think about it a lot, yeah. which is great, yeah, which is too. a great trait. And people get on my case a lot about it. Uh, one of my dear friends, Jordan Gold, every time I see him, he does something special for me, and he fools me very badly. And I really appreciate that he does that and that he thinks that way and so i'm kind of starting to adopt that mentality which is i'm not going to perform often but i know i'm going to see this person i'm going to do something special for that person that i know they're really going to love yes i love that and i love the idea and this is what i've done very rarely but but what i want to do more of also is sort of expanding pre-show to being as long and as big and encompassing as it can be. So taking information from the world and from this person and integrating it into a routine, even if it's a year later. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of that. And that's what I, I try to do um, with, you know, when I do things and I, I do things in very small environments, usually with a really small group of people in a, in a you know, an event that's already kind of a, a, you know, a social context, so a dinner party or a small gathering or whatever. And, you know, I try and use all of that time to get the information that plays into an effect. And I love the idea of expanding that and just making that, you know, so that it's, it's almost like, you know, immersive theater is taking off so much right now. And I love I love that whole world. And I think when people have these, you know, people have developed these immersive theater shows for one person. And I think that's kind of the idea, really. It's it's something that's so bespoke to that person that it just feels all the more impactful and impossible and extraordinary. 
So do people push you to perform or no? No. It's just fascinating to me. I didn't know that you existed. So people don't get on your case about it, about not performing? They sure get on my case about not doing it enough because I can talk for quite some time about magic. How long have you been interested? 10 years. How long have you been practicing? You know, I started playing around with things at the beginning, but I have been, so the whole time I've been practicing, but I have never, I've always had this fantasy of committing a month, you know, going into a room and sort of studying and seeing somebody once every couple of days to work on methods and things. But um, I haven't ever done that. And I don't know if I will, but I, that's my fantasy. But um, I, I've just been slowly and steadily working, but I get distracted by the thoughts and the ideas and reading. And I love, I love theory books. And people get in my case about that too, because it's true. It's without, without practice, magic. I actually, you know what? Maybe I don't agree with them. I get it. You know, of course, magic is a performative art and that's where it lives and that's where it reaches other people. But I do think that magic is bigger than that. And I think it can infuse life and thinking outside of performance as well. So I'm just changing my mind right now. How so? I think when you get obsessed with magic, it, it just plays into everything and the way that you see the world. And I don't know if I can explain it for me and my experience of it very well, but I, I just remember at the beginning, maybe I was three or four years into magic. I remember going on a jog and looking around and thinking magic could play into any of my interactions with these people. Magic could, could infuse this feeling of wanting to give people surprise and joy and the unexpected and illuminate mystery for people. And I think that's those, those kind of bigger ideas with magic are, are the most important thing. And I think it can, it can play into other aspects, you know, all aspects of life really in your way of thinking. And I guess that's the best way I can explain it. Do you feel that way? Yeah. The question I asked myself then is what is magic? Well, what is it? I'm asking you. Oh, for me, I I feel for the most important thing that magic is for me is definitely our it, the fact that it can give people the feeling of joy and what's it though? You're saying it can give people joy. Ma- what well, is magic, it? the experience yeah, of magic. That's what I'm saying. What is the experience of magic? It's a tool to give people an experience. It's a tool to give people an experience of the un- unknown that isn't something we try to then get over. We try to push away and, you know, we're always trying to know things and know the answer to things. And it's a very, you know, life is an intellectual pursuit in that sense. But I think experiencing the unknown as almost like the purity of the unknown in a way, it's like a vehicle to that, to the, to the feeling of being this little dot in the middle of a universe that we don't understand. And I think it's the visceral, it's a way of getting to a visceral experience of that. Okay. You blinked, which is the biggest expression you've made. So does that mean you were thinking, you're agreeing with me or, what, well, tell me what your thought is on that. Do you agree with that? Or do you see it differently? Um, I, don't, I, I ask myself the question, what's magic? Cause I don't know the answer. Um, to me, magic is, who fucking knows? I think it's so many things, though, don't you think? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think we need to have... I think we do need to have a definition because, you know, every other craft has a concrete definition. But there's no way that magic is going to be the same thing to, uh, you know, a guy performing, you know, 10 gimmicks for 30 years at birthday parties as uh-huh. the same as it's going to be to Derek Delgadio. Okay. Like, it's just not the same thing to okay, each of those so people. Okay, so then what is it? 
That's what I'm asking. What is, why can they both call themselves magicians? Well, but that's like saying, but, but you know, thing. I mean, I know we use this all the time. We can kind of relate to magic to all these other forms of expression, but but it, it's true. It's like saying what writing is. I mean, we, you know, writing is a way to communicate, mm-hmm. as is magic. I mean, these are all just fundamental tools of communication. Yes. So I don't think we need to say, you know, writing is a way of storytelling or writing is a way of putting down facts or, you know, it's magic is such a big concept that I just, I don't think, I don't think it needs anything on that level, I think it's. I think it should be, you know, different things for different people. And I, I would never want to have my definition of magic that I gave you, you know, about about the kind of experience of the unknown. I mean, that's not going to be relevant at all to a lot well, of performers. I mean, the, the this thing about the experience of the unknown is there are a lot of things that are unknown that are not impossible. So you could take someone to a science museum and sit Bill Nye down in front of them and he could give them many experiences of the unknown because they didn't know them. So giving no, someone the, no, an no, experience no, that's of not, something that's impossible. Not true. I mean, the unknown are things outside of science, which is still a lot of science. I mean, we can, you know, thinking of neuroscience, we can map certain aspects of the brain. You know, we now have mechanisms to show, you know, real-time kind of blood flow to areas of the brain uh, to map it. But we still but don't know. Hang on, Elliot. We still don't know what a thought is. Okay. We still don't know. If you said, what is a thought? A neuroscientist is, I mean, I don't know what they're going to say. We should get somebody in here immediately. All but right. Call somebody. I'll call somebody right now. Hello? Um, <laughs> we, we don't know what that is. So it's, you know, you're talking about, yeah, I mean, the, the definite, so, so the unknown is everywhere. Well, there's a difference between unknown and not understood. There is, but but the unknown, it, but, but well, there's also overlap in the Venn diagram of those two things. But like the unknown is, I don't know what you're thinking. You know, that's a mystery to me. Okay. Or a mystery to me is how do we come up with creative thoughts? Okay, so you how know, do you give are, someone an experience of the unknown? Through magic. <laughs> you give somebody something that doesn't, that, that feels impossible, that feels not only that they don't understand how it happened, but they're in a whole new world that they didn't know was even possible. I mean, that to me is what my goal is, is that it's not even, oh, wow, that thing is impossible. It's that I'm now in an experience that I don't even, I didn't even have a frame of reference for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're in, a, you're in an alternate universe in a way where this thing is now happening and I didn't even know that that was like in the realm of something I could even experience. Mm-hmm. It's like a new emotion really, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. I mean, it's an it's a emotional version of an intellectual experience. But is your goal to shift their perception permanently or within the context of your performance? Yeah, but I think when you give somebody a new experience, it necessarily shifts them permanently in the sense that you're adding something to their experience of life. So I don't disagree with you, but what I'm asking is if somebody comes in and you give them this paradigm shift with your magic, what happens then when they go out into the world having this new information and they make poorer decisions based off of what they thought was impossible before and now they think to be possible, though it's still not true. I don't, I I guess I'm not seeing it that way. I'm not seeing it as like, oh, now I think that this card can penetrate this glass. You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I'm not seeing it as, I never want to leave people with an idea of something that is literally, um, so, you know, in terms of like physics, impossible is now possible. I think it's more that I want to give them a feeling that is 
that they are connected to another person in a certain way or that it's possible for them to be known in a different way without there being a specific new mm. delusional methodology that they believe in. Mm. But they now are thinking about a different, they know that this experience is possible. So you're just and, opening them up. Yeah, I think so. I think it's when you ask more questions, you you get a deeper experience of life. And I think we don't have, I love finding new ideas and new new questions because sometimes I think you feel like you've, you know, at a certain age, you're like, well, I've thought through a lot of stuff and I don't have the answers, but I've certainly explored this idea and this and this. And, and, and I think truly new feelings and new ideas are the gold dust of life. Really. I think they're the thing that the thing that keeps me alive, I feel like. And I think giving that to other people is so precious and, and difficult, but I think that's why it's worth striving for. And I think magic is, is one of the most extraordinary ways of doing that. Hmm. We definitely have a, uh, you know, it's cliche to say that we have a gift that we can give people, but it's true. Yeah, I agree. And it's a very rare and special thing that we can do for people. And so I, whenever I get burned out, I try to remember that, you know, I have this amazing thing that I can do for people that they may never see again. That's something that I try to buoy myself with. Absolutely. And I think that's the danger of, you know, getting seeing things through the eye of a magician too intensely is that I, I, I feel like we forget and I see people forgetting all the time what it is to be a spectator. And obviously I understand that that's going to happen and that's necessary, but I can't, but sometimes the things people say, I just think, holy crap, you just have no idea what this person like what? is experiencing. Um, I think when people are thinking Who was about it? name, names. Yeah, no, I'm just ev- <laughs> everyone all the time. I mean, it's really, you know, I think, I, look, I can't, I came into magic when I was in my late twenties and, I, uh, so I, and I remember at the time when I realized I was going to cross over and get really into it. Well, I mean, it happened sort of immediately, but when I realized I was going to learn all these new things, I thought you have to remember what this was like because it was so, I remember I was on a shoot and I was lying in this hotel room in the middle of somewhere in England. And I remember thinking, you've ordered these books in the mail and you're going to know within a week how this is working. And right now you're feeling the purity of what it is to not know this. And it was just such an, I couldn't sleep. Who had you seen? uh, It was. Because you don't just decide to get into magic. You're forced into it by the unknown. No, it's not about who I saw though. That's the thing. I'm just, I mean, sorry to be evasive, but it's like, I just, I think it's more about the, the experience of it. You know, I could have, there are a lot of people I could have seen that gave me the experience because I'd never seen mind reading before. And I think just the idea. I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay, what will tell me your view? Oh, because I, I, you, you were lucky to see someone that shifted you so much. That was that good. That was that powerful. That it spoke to you and resonated with you like that. But the thing that I saw wasn't necessarily presented. Well, there are a bunch of things that I saw. But the one thing I'm thinking about lying in the hotel room and not understanding what the hell was going on. I mean, genuinely, just had no. This is why I'm sorry. I'm going to tangent <laughs> because I didn't stop you. when you know I think I mean, we. It's hard to even understand as a layperson that you can use magic to read someone's mind. And I'm I am so obsessed with this idea because it's so hard to find people to agree with me. And I feel so certain about it because I remember having this conversation with people and also with myself before I knew the methodology behind mentalism because you know when you. It's it's impossible to imagine that you could use a magic trick to 
to read someone's mind for a layperson. For the most part, it doesn't even make sense to them. If you say that to them, it's not giving anything away to say, oh, it's a magic trick. It's like, well, right, okay, but then also you're reading things from their eye movements or you're, you know, it's it doesn't compute. And I think that at a fundamental level is what's so important with in all of magic is remembering that they're not connecting the dots. Of course, some people are trying to figure out the methods and you're trying to cover, yes, of course. But I think at a fundamental level, they're just thinking of it in a to- or experiencing it in such a profoundly different way than the magician is that it's it, it's necessary to constantly remind yourself of what that is and that unknowing. Which I, is what? Which what is what, what are they experiencing? Talk about it. What do you what what is it that you remind yourself? I just remind myself how much it none of it seemed possible and and that none of it was. It really is that like it did, for the for the mentalism in the mentalism world, it didn't make sense that it was it, it didn't make sense that it was a, a method that there was even magic behind it. It just it just didn't compute. And that left this extreme openness of what it was and the idea of what is this thing? What is happening is is that great unknown? I mean, that's the unknown is like what you know, and the things we really don't know is like wh- what is happening when you and I relate to each other. You know, I have a very different idea of you probably than you have of yourself just from meeting you just today, seeing this awesome blue jacket, your very serious demeanor, your, you know, stern sensibility. People listening are going to be like, what the fuck is she talking about? (laughs) Are you more extrovert or more uh, vivacious with other people and you're just... Well, I just got got out of the two-hour drive, two-and-a-half-hour drive. Well, I'm dis- I'm describing you as the first, you know, ten minutes of us meeting. <laughs> sure. So look, I, well, I so would... exactly, you have a different perception of me than what. Yeah, and the way that you and I are reading each other, and let's not even talk about how I'm coming across to you, but, but you know, the way that we read things from other people is to me one of the great mysteries of life is is human interaction. I mean, we are all misinterpreting each other's words and behaviors and ideas all the time. I just think humans have such a hard time <laughs> relating to each other and that's what we're supposed to be doing i i think i mean mm-hmm. as much as you can supposed to be <laughs> doing sure. anything that's sort of a ridiculous thing to say but um but li- i just think life is human interaction and it's so we're so bad at it so much of the time you know most of my conversations with my friends are about interactions that have gone wrong or like what do we think this person's trying to do or how do i get this person to do this or you know whatever that is and so that that's such a great mystery and that's where i think mentalism can live is in that that great mystery of what the heck is going on between people and it's a universal truth i mean that's where magic ought to happen yeah right absolutely universal experiences yeah and look i mean people can can address the mystery of you know how is this you know rope being severed and then coming back together and that's not i don't you know mean to invalidate other mysteries or more practical mysteries or more you know just visual illusions and you know all of that is is super interesting and can be taken to all new levels i just i just think you know because because of the nature of mentalism and and the fact that it addresses the unknown of our kind of psyche i think it has a little bit of a bonus power but i think you can infuse that in regular magic as well or in visual you know in close-up magic too is mentalism as astonishing as a really good magic trick oh of course i mean as astonishing yeah absolutely because it's as opposed to seeing you know something visually impossible happen it happens within you 
I mean, you know, I always tell people I want, you know, people that have only seen stage magic, I, I'm just desperate always to take them to see somebody close up, to take them down, you know, to the hat and hair to see Mike Pashada and, and go down in between sets so that they get a front row seat because, and, you know, they always think or have them sit right next to, to John Armstrong when he's performing and they think, isn't this too close? And people say that to me all the time. Isn't this too close? And I'm like, no, this is going to happen right here mm -hmm. and i think mentalism is that but but within you i mean it's literally it, it's like happening within um all magic obviously is happening in your mind and in your perception of things but i think mentalism feels like the actual the actual place where it is occurring is in your mind um and i think that's just unbelievably powerful in magic we think it's happening here right we think it's happening in your hands right in front of you even though it is happening you know in your mind you're seeing things mm -hmm. in a way that makes it sure good. i understand i just i just wonder you know if you're if if a mentalist is doing something with someone on a stage he can read that person's mind let's say or she can read that person's mind and that person has it happen in real time for them in their head but for everybody else it's to me no different than seeing something visually impossible happen and for me i would imagine that seeing something visually impossible is more astonishing than hearing someone else confirm that something impossible happened. But I think, so maybe the difference is, I understand what you're saying. I think maybe the difference I should point out then to me is that the mystery is happening. The mystery is not necessarily the mystery of the universe, although that's part of it, but it is the mystery of the mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the difference. It's not the focus of how are impossible things happening in the world. It's how are impossible things happening within our, our brains and minds and, and personalities and behaviors and all of that. So it's, it's sort of the realm of the internal unknown. And I just love that. I think, you know, as I've obviously yammered about, I mean, I just think that's, you know, the mysteries of the physical universe are extraordinary, but, you know, the mysteries of human interactions are just unbelievably <laughs> tricky mm -hmm. and mysterious. What do you think about all this? I want to know why. So why do you not perform? Why do you not perform? Uh, because I wasn't doing what we're talking about. But so, I stopped. so do you feel like you will try and do what we're talking about? Maybe one day. Should you just do it now, though? Because what if nobody else does it? Okay. And what if people are missing something from having your ideas manifest in performance? The difference, though, is that it, I'm trying to, I personally, my goal, however lofty and absurd it may be, is to change magic for the better, in my opinion. And I feel like I'm accomplishing that more by doing this podcast than by performing for groups of people. That's fair enough. I just wonder if you could do both. I mean, I guess for me, I feel like I'm... I'm sure that I could do both. I don't want to do both. And the reason is because magic is my day job. Mm. It's also what I do for fun. And so I don't want to then also turn that for fun part into, you know, another work. I don't want to do magic 24-7. Yeah. And I, I love that. I wish I could, you know, I just, as you were saying that, I realized that magic, magic never feels like fun to me. Because <laughs> it feels like it is the great... It, the great question weighing down on my brain that sort of is almost crushing it all the time. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. 
money. Yeah. When I said for fun, it mostly meant like that's what I do when I'm not doing anything else. Right. Not necessarily having fun, but I'm fiddling with cards. Sure. It's what you do in off time as well as on time in terms of work. No, I understand that. And look, I, you know, I'm I'm sort of responding to the heckling that I've gotten about performing. And I know that when I do perform, I obviously learn things in a different way than when I'm thinking about it or talking about it or reading about it or whatever that is. But... That being said, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think my conversations with my performing friends, you know, my my friends who are professionals, have at times had the most impact on the world of magic in a tiny, tiny way than anything else I've ever done, for sure. Because, you know, if if nothing else, you know, I'm obsessive about communicating certain ideas and and reminding people in, in the most visceral way I can of that that unknowing of the spectator that we were talking about, you know, and and orchestrating things about that or giving people ideas, which I'm sure you've done, that that try to make things bigger and dive into bigger areas and not just be about the method and not just be about performing as a character, but about addressing a, a bigger a bigger question. Mm-hmm. And I think that is important. Or And also, I tell myself that it's important. So, so I hope it's important because it's what I do a lot of. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think that uh, Derek has done a good job performing this amazing masterwork that speaks to those universal truths. It's very sexy right now to think about magic in a way that's bigger than tricks. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree exactly with that, but I think as a as a person in magic, you know, having somebody who's um, known by a lot of people and, and completely unflinching in in their dedication to those bigger ideas and pursuing that um, is really important. You know, I don't, I mean, I do love his work, but I also just love the idea. I think, I think we need, we need people to be unflinching and unbending in the way that they approach their art. And, you know, magic has suffered, like every art form has their, their kind of problems, I guess, or, or the ways that people don't make the most of it. But I think, you know, magic obviously has a lot of ways that people can just, yeah, pick up pick up a gimmick and go for it, and and not be going well, the into the realm we like. The difference between, in my mind, the difference between magic and the other art forms is that the public has no perception of what's good. Right. You know, can Completely. film. There are award shows now. the 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 awards may or may not be well placed, but there's like a respect to. These are people that did really good work and they did really well and this is, you know, something that they deserve to be recognized for. Right. There's not really that in magic. There's, you know, fine art in sculpture and painting and, you know, Right. You know, I really, it's, I think we do a lot of this in our conversations in the magic world is kind of compare it sometimes to illustrate points, right? But then sometimes we sort of say, well, in magic, we don't have this and it's different because of this. But part of me also thinks it needs to be different. Like, I'm, I'm sort of glad that there isn't a globally recognized, you know, by the, by the man on the street, sort of like magic award system. You know, I, I think, and I, 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 th- I think that some of this necessarily is going to be really significantly different than other art forms. And, and maybe that's the right way it should be. And maybe we should get... <laughs> I don't know. I sometimes think we should get rid of anything that is that kind of competition structure because I'm not sure. I don't know. I, oh, this is it's probably a terrible thing to say. I don't for consider it a competition stuff, structure. I consider it uh, a, a, an achievement recognition structure. Yeah. 
Sure. But I think if we, you know, if our complaint is that we want magic to be more artistic, which I think is, um, is the complaint of a lot of people who are, you know, love the, uh, to have an intellectual life and magic, mm-hmm. you know, I think we need to think about what the things are that, that really give us, that really gives magic that, um, foundation because I, you know, it's true. It's like spectators who have either never seen magic or, you know, are seeing it for the first time or have only seen crappy stuff. I just think what they need are more experiences of magic that they weren't expecting, that they didn't know were possible and that are not in a context where they're, yeah, you know, that, that, you know, that are, that are unexpected to them. And they think, Oh my God, I didn't know that that's what magic was. Mm-hmm which I hear people say all the time and I love it. You know, if you show them the right stuff, they're like, oh, I I did not know that that's what it was. I didn't know it could be that. And that's, that's what we need to change, I think, you know? And I'm sure there will always, always be these other kind of tangents of magic and, and um, people that, you know, maybe we would look at and think like, oh, brother, this is not doing great things for magic, but I, but there's nothing we can do about that. And I think we just have to focus on, um, on how, how it can come, how it can be brought to people, or people can find it in a way that's different and changes their idea of what it is and what it can be. Oh God, it is like a disease, isn't it? Don't you feel like it's a disease? What's it? Being obsessed with magic, being in love with magic, is like. I just feel like it Sickness. fundamentally changes your brain in some way, like a parasite. I'm gonna stop using negative. <laughs> <laughs> Magic is killing me. Yeah, I, I feel that way sometimes. I really feel that way sometimes. Yeah, I think I about that. Sleep. It's I like, think about that frequently. Is that I can't not think about magic. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely feel like it is something that switched. It made a switch in my brain that will never go back. Mm-hmm. And not that I want it to, but um, but, but that's you experience I, the world completely differently now. You're always looking for deception or moments or ideas or inspiration and you're not even trying to definitely but i wonder if it's the same for i i talk about stand-up comedy all the time on this podcast but i wonder if it's the same for comedians you know they're constantly mining their lives for material i'm sure it makes them look at the world differently certainly i think for any for any artist it's that right for writers and musicians and everybody's looking for for inspiration i think there's you know i mean and that's and that's why i mean we want that for people i think you know we want people in magic who feel that way because they're giving magic it's addressing its full potential i think that's the ultimate thing is that you want you know you want people to be performing magic that give it that kind of acknowledge its potential and even if they aren't great or aren't even good they're at least their goals are their goals are good for magic and that feels so important and it feels so it feels rare sometimes i mean it doesn't feel rare probably for maybe for i mean for me it doesn't feel rare because i just i feel like i only talk with people or i mostly talk with people who have that same idea but um but i don't know that's ultimately what we want right but we can't control that and we can't you know, my poor friends that come to the castle with me and I try to only, or, you know, I try to orchestrate their experience and have them see only really good stuff. And then, you know, they're like, well, let's go see this whole thing. I have no idea what it is. And we go in, we see something really, what I would consider to be sort of cheesy and not wonderful. And they sort of enjoy it, you know, because they haven't seen a lot of magic and they just enjoy it. And they're, I constantly, people look over at me and I just have this like destroyed soul look on my face. And they just find it hilarious. You know, they think it's really, 
really funny and I sure don't find it funny. I just think I didn't want them to see that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want them to see that and have that play into their idea of what magic is. I want to keep it pure and wonderful and keep it in that, that kind of upper echelon of what it can be. But that's not possible to do, I guess. Well, that's what I'm saying is that there's, there's not a, they don't know. They don't know it's bad because it is, Magic is inherently powerful because it is astonishing. And if you do something, no matter how badly, but it's well covered and you fool the person, they go, oh, okay. You accomplished the thing, but it's not. It's not it's this weird th- yeah, thing. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's this weird thing where you did it, but you didn't do it. Yes, you know? exactly. You're accomplishing the base level mechanism. You're not accomplishing and so diving then come, people it. come away from it going, oh, yeah, I know what that is. and But they no fucking idea. I'm really, it's, you know, now I'm thinking about what it means to do something, to do what, you know, the best we can do for magic. And I, you know, I'm, I'm so interested in your life and magic and the way that you've built that. And I think sometimes, I don't know, it's, it's, I think it's good for us all to question ourselves about what that is, what what it actually is that we can do that's best for magic. And I, I, I don't know. I think there are probably a lot of things, but the, the mystery of how to kind of get, make sure that people are seeing really, really good stuff is a difficult one to me. Yeah. Cause I don't think it's just as easy as making sure you bring them to good shows and give them like, an, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like there's gotta be more. And I guess that's why I'm obsessed with doing magic outside of performance spaces. I, you know, I, I like the idea of it being in the world, integrated into the world and happening at the table or, you know, happening in an Uber ride or I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, that sounds cheesy, not in a, you know, teenage boy kind of way of like, all righty, here we go. We're going to do a little routine. But, you know, just the idea of magic being infused in the bigger world to me is really impactful. And I think about that a lot. A lot, a lot. Do you do? Do you ever play with the idea of doing magic when people don't know you're doing magic? Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite ideas. I yeah, I do that all the time. And I, you know, I had this fantasy once of a place that you would go that had nothing to do with magic, but secretly there were like a, a you know a bunch of the people that worked there were magicians and things were happening. So you were mm-hmm. sort of in this alternate universe, yeah. but you didn't know you were in it. And I love that idea very much, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's the opposite of going into, you know, it's obviously so funny when people go to the castle and they want to just go see the palace show. I always think that's like as, you know, that's, that's kind of the classic thing, right? Like, oh, we got to go see the big stage show. And I definitely like all of the opposites to that and, and how that can manifest itself. So, so definitely, you know, things happening when people don't know that what they're experiencing is magic. Sounds great to me. That's why Mike is so powerful. Because he's just a bartender. I know. know. To people that are down there, they don't know that they're about to get their asses handed to them by amazing magic. You're right, and that's why they often act like assholes down there. Oh, man, it makes me nuts. But yes, you're right. I should look at it that way. That's a very good spin on it, is that they have no idea. Well, that's what Mike said. He said that to me. He goes, people come down there, or people that are down there see magic in the other two rooms happening. And they come into the bar to get a drink, and they think I'm just a bartender. You're right. I and love so that. So then when I say, you know, I'm going to do, I'm about to start a show, and people stick around, they're super surprised because this bartender, you know, knocked yeah. their socks off. Really 
makes it happen. Yeah. You're right. And I think, you know, the idea for me obviously is, you know, what is that then when outside of the context of, you know, even that like, you know, okay, we're going to start a show, right? We just to integrate it. How much can you integrate magic into the world without it being, okay, we're starting, you know, it's kind of like. Sure. He's setting that context, but without a context, then it becomes, then the context is reality. Yes. Yes. And I think that's it. I, I like that very, very much. And I think, you know, when I do rarely perform, I don't, that's what I try and do is say like, you know, I want to, I want to try this one thing really quick if you like you know so okay here let's try it this way it's like have you think of you know it's almost like i'm off you know kind of off the cuff like starting into something that i'm just trying and kind of playing with and it sort of integrates it and i don't think that's the best way of doing it but that's the way that i've found to kind of start into something because i don't yeah it always is what's what's the best way to integrate it into into our common reality yeah without signaling it. It's like when I film people for documentaries, I, you know, it's so hard to tell crews this. I try like hell to have nobody ever say, okay, rolling. You know, it's like, you just don't want to have this moment that's like, okay, and now we're going to behave like we're on camera. You know, it's like, we don't want that. What's happening? I didn't tell you we were recording. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. Um, but But it's true. You get a different, the way I was talking when we first started chatting is different than the way I'm talking now, which is overly vivacious, but excited because I love talking about this. <laughs> it makes me so happy. I was thinking about this on the drive over. I hate the magician in trouble oh, structure. God, I know, I know. It's so rare that it's good, but when it's good, it can be amazing, but I know. Okay, go. Sorry, I'm just, interrupting well, you. No, no, no. I mean, like, just the the phrase magician in trouble. What the fuck does that even mean? You're a wizard. <laughs> How are you in trouble? Like, unless people are like sieging a castle, you're not in trouble. Yes, but I would say, I totally agree with you. And I think, I think going back to sort of, you know, hearkening back to standard, you know, narrative mechanisms can be so dangerous and lame. I also think some of those things have potential where if they, if you're in the kind of 1% of them working can be amazing. Like Mike's, uh, I never know the name for anything. I'm terrible, but yes, you know, that yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Fucking amazing. <laughs> it's so but amazing. That's not, that's not a magician in trouble structure. No, but it's the concept. It's the, I mean, the, the general, con- well, I know what you mean, but, but just in talking about the general concept of, that using that moment as a kind of mechanism. Yeah. But okay, so we're talking well, about the so kind of classic structure. Well, so that's yeah, different okay. to me because he doesn't say, oh, I fucked up. Yeah, or, fair enough. Well, he does oh, without is- saying, oh, I fucked up. In a really great way, he communicates like, okay, I know, yeah, you saw those cards. And yeah, he does that. Well, that's the same, that's, that's a better that's, way of saying I fucked up. That's more of like, a, like a, a pleasant sucker trick to me than it is a magician in trouble no 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 it's a no it's that it is that narrative beat of oh god this this trick went wrong Hmm. that's that's what's happening he's saying it's not it's i don't think it's a sucker moment at all i think it's just this trick went wrong and yeah i know you saw that and then flipping it on its head instantly in that context and People, I mean, you just see, I mean, people, it's so unexpected. So, so here's the difference in the structure to me between that and what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. <clears throat> when he reveals those cards, it is then obvious that you were supposed to see the extra cards. Right, okay. In traditional magician in, in trouble, it's, mm. and here's your card. Oh, that's not your card? 
now it's Ricard. It's like, why do we go through all the other procedure if you were just going to reveal it that way? <laughs> so fucking stupid. I so think that's it the, is. So like when the revelation, if if the revelation fits the structure and it confirms the purpose of it, then it makes sense. Like in Mike's trick where he those cards are, are seen, when they're revealed, people go, oh, we were supposed to see them. But, we were in his hands the whole time. But that is part of the magician in trouble narrative. You always go at the end, oh, he tricked us by pretending he screwed up. But see, that's when you have to think about what is it that the late public is perceiving. He, yeah. Okay, so when you're saying, is this your card? Boom. No, it's not. Oh, now yeah, but I then have when to you, fix but it. But then when you fix it, let's say you do that, right? Okay. And it changes. Then yeah. they know, oh, he must have been able to... So, I mean, they know then that if that was If he could have just changed the card like that, why didn't he just find the right card at the beginning? That's what I'm saying, is that yeah, but I think logically like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. I, I guess... I, it feels like a cheap magic effect. I agree with you if it's done badly, but I still think Mike's is the same usage of that moment and i think it's just done well so that you do you really believe for a minute like oh crap we weren't supposed to see that and then it gives you that vacuum out of which comes a miracle Mm -hmm. and that's why it's impactful and when you use that narrative device correctly i think or in an impactful way one of the ways you know of doing it is that you leave that vacuum of like uncomfortableness and mm-hmm. then you are shocked out of it mm-hmm. into oh my god you know it just it just leaves that blank space for that to, to emerge so i think it can be effective but i think I'm like not all, all of magic sure i'm not 90s, at all saying it's not powerful right but i, I think most of the time it's used badly and so people are, oh well and i you know most of the time also like all of magic it's performed in a way where you're like is he really in trouble or is he just kind of role-playing something you want to feel like oh this definitely went if if it's if you're going to use that that kind of moment, the audience all needs to feel like, oh god, okay, mm, let's just wait for this to fix it. Oh god, yeah. you know, it just needs to be. You don't you don't want people thinking like, is he really screwing up or not? And that's what happens, I think, most of the time, is that people are are kind of thinking about it rather than experiencing. I mean, that's the whole thing with magic too, right? Is that you want people to be just experiencing something rather than thinking through what's happening Mm -hmm. so i think that's like one of the many moments that if you do it right can be used as a great as a as a tool but i also understand most things i'm like i don't know about this it's the same as time travel is like a kind of classic thing you know to i mean i think when you see somebody use time travel as a as a kind of device in a really interesting way it can be super impactful most of the time you're like oh boy here we go with time travel let's get some time travel into this so uh, I was talking with Harrison Greenbaum in New York. Do you know him? I don't think I've ever met him. I mean, I know of okay. him. He's phenomenal. But we were talking about uh, the way you kind of create an idea for stand-up is it's, you know, a, like a first-level joke is something anybody could have come up with. A second-level mm. joke is something that, you know, isn't the first thing people would think of, but it's like a logical step. Mm-hmm. Like that's okay. I get that. A third level joke is something no one else could have come up with. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of that, that time travel thing for me is, you know, time, mm-hmm. the, the time travel plot is so on the nose. It's yes. so one-to-one. Like, yes. You're not like, it's not adding anything other than words to right. the trick. Right. And I think it, like in all of, I guess, I guess all of these plot 
devices are the same as are, are kind of a microcosm of magic itself where whatever you use you know if you take a classic plot and make it extraordinary and make it address a bigger theme or idea or make it your own in a way that people really experience it, it then it's viable to use you know i don't think there's any reason to shy away i mean like i was saying you know the methods i use in mentalism are just really really classic old things but you know the ideas that i'm just using them hopefully in an ideal world is a foundation for something that doesn't even seem like those methods necessarily and i think with plot structures with with methods you know all of that that's the goal but i feel like in a way also it's like a lot of us you know it's like we know that's the goal and it's the mystery of reaching it you know it's the mystery of really getting to that place where you feel like oh i did it i i surmounted this plot or i surmounted this this uh, kind of classic routine in a way that it really, really, truly feels like it's getting to what I wanted. It's reaching what I wanted. And it's it's addressing this idea mm-hmm. or this question about the universe or about people or about life or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's rare. Yeah. I What, what, what do you think that, uh, what do you think magic needs then to be itself, <laughs> to, to reach its potential? Or how does magic reach its potential for you? So those are two way different questions. Okay, well then why don't you pick your favorite? I'm <laughs> no, just asking. Okay. A, a, you know, I just want you to, <laughs> to uh-huh. ask me the thing you want to know about. All right. Well, know I guess how I feel. I guess I want to know how does it reach its potential. That's what I want to know. How does magic? How does magic reach its potential? Uh, I guess you. <laughs> that that's an interesting question because it's a it's a matter of scale, right? So how can a person's magic reach its potential? How can magic as a whole reach its potential? What even is its potential? You know, I I think that the best way for magic to evolve is, I've never said this before, um, I think the best way for magic to evolve is for magicians to really be honest with themselves about what it is they're doing and then educate the people they're performing for about what it is they're doing. What do you mean educate? So I think every every opportunity for a magician to perform is an opportunity to educate the label on magic. Uh, and this comes from my the type of performance that I do, which is very informal and it's conversational and it's with people at dinner or at a bar or you know it's like fun, just kind of low key stuff. And it's that, and it, you know, it's like what you were talking about. It's connecting. When you connect with someone and you tell them about your love, your passion, that resonates with them if they have a passion. And if they don't have a passion, it resonates even stronger because it's like a beacon of what they could be about, you know. So if magicians are honest with themselves about what it is they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're doing it the way they're doing it, why they're doing it the way they're doing it, then when they go and perform magic, they can basically have the power to say, this is why I do what I do. This isn't all this is. But do you think educating them really goes against the idea of having them experiencing experience it? I mean, to me, I would think what I want is for them to experience magic, whatever that might mean mm-hmm. to you. And the idea of educating them to me is a very, it's a very kind of cerebral effort versus experiencing it. And I would want them to, I guess for me to, to, for magic to reach its potential, they experience something 
completely unbelievable. Okay, so this is just a semantic difference, I feel okay. like, because when I say educate, I just mean like share your passion with somebody right. in a way that enriches their understanding of what magic is and what it can be. Not necessarily like, here's how a double lift works. No, I, well, no, I, know, I know, but, but I but thought you meant like educate as in, you know, make sure that they understand that magic can be something really beautiful and extraordinary. Is that what you mean by educate them? Uh, sure, yeah. Because if you're not doing something really beautiful and extraordinary, maybe you ought to say, like, you know, this is something that I play around with and something that I love, and it's been my hobby for 30 years. But there are people that do this that are so poetic and beautiful. Yeah. You know? It's like one of my favorites is yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. This is the kind of stuff he does. And that's what really lights my fire, you know? Yeah. I actually really like that idea. I just don't know that people <laughs> reflect enough to to do that but i've so there you go that's what i'm saying yeah i i like it i mean i guess that's um okay i guess I, I when you say it that way i mean i definitely talk to people about i mean inherent in the way i perform things is talking about the sort of mystery of the of what i'm doing and so then it gives me a jumping off point to say you know magic can be really extraordinary and really you know mm -hmm. um and i but you know ultimately what i want to do is not say that i want to do that you know, I want to have it. Oh, be of course, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But some don't people don't have that, that goal, though. Yeah. yeah, I just, I also think, you know, everybody wants to do new things, but I, I don't know that we all. Uh, I, I wish people would push themselves more to do true, go into truly new territory, mm -hmm. whether that's a, a way, a place of performing, it, a way of having a performance, a, a way of using a classic method in a way that you don't even see it as that method which i guess people probably have that goal a lot but um but uh and just to have magic do things and address ideas that it it doesn't normally that's what i want to see the most you mm -hmm. know i want to feel like i'm seeing or experiencing something that really has nothing to do with magic it has to do with life in the world mm -hmm. in whatever whatever part of that is being addressed and that's what i want the most but it is rare. Do you want to talk about the movie? Yeah. Do you want to talk about the movie? Actually, not really. I don't know why I said that. I really would rather just talk about magic. I, could I retract that statement? Do you... So, in fact, let me retract it by taking you down another pathway. So why do you think... Do you think it's true that there's a certain type of person that tends to get into magic that ends up making magic not so great? <laughs> Do you think that's the case or do you think that's a kind of a uh, cliche that's not true? So what do you mean? Well, I think there's a, a, a cliche that people ask me about that, that, you know, that a lot of magicians I think say is the case that, you know, it's a lot of young boys who are in an awkward phase or don't have social skills that get into magic and they find it very powerful and then they kind of stick with it. So you end up getting, you know, boys who are... Yeah, not necessarily evolving with magic as an art form, but that if you learn to use it as a tool and however that plays out in their lives. And I'm wondering if you think that's the case and if you think that has an impact on magic or is that just a... I think that certainly happens. I don't think that has an impact on magic. That's great. That makes me happy. Here's why I think that. Uh, sure, awkward kids get into magic because it's a power trip or it's a way to girls or whatever. If they really love magic, they mature with it. 
and yeah. in it and yeah. as they mature the way they think about it. i mean i'm speaking from experience like that's how that's what happened to me did you get into it as a kid yeah i was i got into it when i was like 12 13 oh nice i don't so, know why i pictured you just being a grown-up when you found it i don't know why maybe that's a good thing for you <laughs> that that's what i thought yeah um <laughs> so i <laughs> sorry the way you responded to that was so funny. yeah okay marcy thanks <laughs> wonderful uh, well, I mean, I don't know how else to respond to it. I'm glad that you disagree with that idea, though, or that you don't think it's impactful. I mean, I agree I agree with you, and I, I just, I guess for me, I fight it. And maybe it's inconsequential. It doesn't matter why people come to it well, here's, in a way. Here's, here's what I think is, you know, if you saw a 16-year-old kid painting because he liked to paint and it looked like shit, you wouldn't be like, oh, painting sucks. You do a kid, you see a kid do a magic trick, you go, oh, that kid is doing this thing. Yep. Like, adults who haven't matured, they're fucking awful for magic. And that makes me <laughs> furious. And I hate it. Maybe that's the only, that's the problem. Maybe that's the number one problem in magic is that. So, I think, I think one of the large problems in magic is that magic is so all-consuming, like what we've been talking about, that people forget to become three-dimensional beings. They don't have experiences outside of being nerds. Right. Yes. I think that's I think that's right. I think if you've used magic your whole life as your mechanism of socializing, then it doesn't let you use other tools from the world to add into magic. Yes. It's your foundation. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Or they compartmentalize it so that everything that they do that's interesting, they don't apply it to magic because that's their safe space or their whatever, you know. So what do you think are I mean, I don't want to ask you about things that you've seen, but I'm curious. I'm curious about your, I guess, like your favorite ideas in magic or or I don't even know how to ask this question. But, you know, it's sort of following on from the potential idea, you know, magic reaching its potential. What do you think? Where would you like to see it go? Where do you like to see it dive into? Do you think about things that for you are, are ideas to explore that magic is a good vehicle to explore? Or do you not think of it that way? I don't think of magic as a vehicle uh, to explore anything. Uh, I think anything that ought to be explored should be done purely. I think magic is a vehicle for sharing experience. Mm. So I don't want to use magic as a way for myself to explore something. I'd rather explore something myself and then share that through magic. Mm. Okay. I like that. I think they can kind of coexist in a sense, but... We're getting a little amorphous here, I guess, in our descriptions, both of us. But I think I don't think those are. Uh, I guess in a way, I don't think that's hugely different from what I'm describing. Maybe so. Uh, again, it could just be semantic, but yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. What was the question? <laughs> I don't know. So, do you think that do you think that magic can explore, even though it's based on deception? Do you think it can explore truths about life and about people? Oh, totally. Absolutely. How? Well, that's. Um, that's going back to the show idea that I have the closer is about uh, the stories that we tell ourselves that aren't true it's basically about negative self talk right so doing a trick in a way that is not about deception that's not about the method that's not about I'm fooling you it's, it's like truly a metaphor, a visual metaphor, and not at all about the trick, right? But the, the trick that's 
that I'm then this piece is about or around is um, is the voodoo card from the forward to drawing room deceptions by Golly, oh, Guy Hollingworth. Nice. And in the trick, the card is maimed and dismembered, and its pseudo mate in the deck is also maimed and dismembered accordingly through mm-hmm. magical means. Right? Mm-hmm. So you do something to this, and it happens to this one as well. Mm-hmm. So the 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 effect is about sharing myself, the negative self talk that I had, the things that I believed it told myself were true, but that weren't were affecting the way other people were viewing me because it changed my behavior. You know, thoughts become words, become actions, because blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of the premise of it. And so I have somebody on stage, and they're sharing a negative thing that they believe or mm. believed about themselves for a long time. Mm. And each time they share, we maim the card. So the card's burned, and it's torn, and things like that. Yeah. And then the ending is, you know, all this all the things that you believed, all the things that you told yourself, none of that's true. It's just a story. You're perfect, you're beautiful, you're whole, and then the card that they're holding has been uh, restored. Right. I like that. Yeah. I think I, I like that because I think I think giving people a sort of psychological experience alongside the sort of magical one, as it were, um, you know, in a, in a kind of close-up capacity is is really powerful. I mean, I like that you know, I think people long to, I think long people, people long to share things of themselves. People, long people. <laughs> long people are very tall and sometimes thin. Uh, yeah, I, pe- I think people want to share things about themselves. And I think we people want to communicate. And I, not in a way where you're on stage necessarily and you have to share something personal. Although I kind of love that. And I do that at, you know, when I'm in a the only way I ever perform magic, which is in like a small group, I definitely dive into that. Um, but I do think that's something to play with. Definitely. I mean, people want to be, yeah. People People like to be given permission. Yeah, definitely. And have a venue to do that. I mean, I think, you know, I always find it so funny that everybody loves to take these online personality quizzes, Mm -hmm. such a silly, simple thing, but I think it's indicative of the fact that people want to identify. Yeah. They want to know, about themselves and what their personality is and what they're not even necessarily if their experience is normal, but just to have more understanding of themselves in the world. And, and I don't know, we don't have, we have, you know, a lot of self-help books, but I don't think we have a lot of events or moments in social life that really bring that to light or let us explore that with other people Mm -hmm. other than people going to therapy or having a best friend or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't think we're set up for that. And I think exploring, all of those aspects of ourselves. I mean, some people really would not want to do that in a, in a, <laughs> you know, shared experience, but I think a sure. lot of people would, you know, mm-hmm. I think most people would. And I think playing with all of that is really exciting. And I think for me, that's why being able to use things on the fly and use information that you get from people and wrap it into a s- sort of overall um, routine on the fly is really interesting because it lets you kind of go with the flow of you know what's happening in the moment if you're at a social event or if you're in a yeah a larger social context you know yeah i like doing that and i just want to do it more and yeah it's hard it's hard because there's no i don't know sometimes i think when you really want to think through something in magic there isn't a lot of that there's not a lot of precedent for necessarily it's hard because people are like well why don't you just why don't you just do it this way? Just do, you know, and you're like, oh crap, that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you gotta, gotta figure it out on your own, I think. 
and I haven't quite figured it out. I've figured out some things on my own, but not enough. I just, the one, one of the reasons I would like to never die, besides just not dying, is uh, so that I can go through more phases in magic. Because <laughs> I think you just, you just evolve so much in magic yeah. if you stick with it. You just change your ideas and you, you know, I, it's like every year or whatever it is, you know, whatever marker of time, I change my ideas about things. Sometimes I completely change my mind about something and just think of it entirely differently. Yeah. And I want to just totally keep going broad. with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And there's, there's no way that you can make someone who hasn't gone through that conceptualize it. You can't, yeah. you cannot make them understand you're not going to feel that way in two years. Yeah, I know. It's, it's uh, again, it's like the bigger, you know, it's, it's a microcosm for all of life when you're like, okay, you're feeling this now because you're age 13, but I'm telling you, when you're 20, this is how it's going to be. And I think mm-hmm. you're right in magic. And I've, I've tried to soak that from other people, <laughs> you know, like I've tried to soak their advancement up and you know, you can to a certain extent, but it's true. It's like all human experience. You have to go through things yourself and go through the, the ideas and the experiences and, and get to that new place on your own. Mm-hmm. You have your own little epiphanies. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I love it. What else should we do with magic? I don't know. Do you feel frustrated sometimes? Oh, yeah. All the time? Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we feel frustrated most of the time? Uh, we feel. I feel frustrated because I have this idea of what magic is, and I don't do it myself. That's And worry. I can't do it myself. You can't... Well, uh, okay, I get it. I totally get it, because that's sort of where I sit. Um, like, I could do it myself if I knew how to do it myself, but I don't, so I can't. So should you be should you be directing shows then? Do you feel or like developing shows with a, with someone that you feel has the perform you know the 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 kind of methodological and performance skills that you think could be could put your your ideas across? That's certainly a possibility. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, you could be like a you know like how John Lovick sort of infuses himself in all these different things and and directs and stage manages and I'm sure it's not enough for him but still he has this you know manifests his uh, thinking in other ways sure we do what we can you look so unhappy with that idea but look we do what we gotta do we gotta you know it's like what are we gonna do it's like either maybe it's either that or nothing yeah and you don't want nothing I don't know I'm pretty okay with nothing how's the podcast going it's going really well I'm enjoying it a lot no, I mean the making a podcast about magic, not ours. It's going really well. I'm enjoying it a lot. <laughs> do you work on it? Like, do you try and get more listenership and kind of look at the numbers and try and get, I mean, do you, do you work on it in that sense or do you just think about doing a good podcast? Uh, both. It's, the podcast is very important to me. Uh, so I try to do a good podcast. But I also do want as many people to hear it as possible. That's why I don't ever talk about methods. I really don't ever delve into specifics about tricks or anything like that because I want lay people to listen to it too as a means of educating them. Are there people you really want to have on the podcast that you haven't been able to? No. Pretty much everybody that I've asked has either done it or has said they will do it, you know, time permitting and space permitting. That's great. Can yeah. Are there people you could put on the podcast that are not magicians, but that have a, some kind of tie to magic that you think could help push people's thinking? Absolutely. There's a couple of people that I'm interested in speaking with. One of them is, ah, oh, shit. Oh, no, that Cicerone. That's the word. I can never remember that word, but it's a Cicerone uh, from San Diego. His name's Dave Adams. He's fucking awesome. Wow. 
Probably. Just the way that he thinks about beer, I think, would resonate with magicians a lot. I was talking about, you know, I don't know if you, we probably have seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw that movie, I was like, oh, this is literally a movie about magic. And yeah. I said that to Mike Pashani. He was like, I thought the exact same thing. It's literally about, <laughs> I shouldn't say literally in that way. Although you can now. We you can now. It's the, the yeah, dictionary. Sure. Have uh, you seen the newsroom? No. Okay. Should I? That's another thing you got to watch. Thank you. But there's a portion in, well, I, this is the second time I've told this on the podcast. <laughs> but there's a portion uh, in the third season where uh, Jane Fonda's character says the thing about literally and fi- figuratively and how yeah. we change the word in the dictionary. Great. When I say I'm literally going to burn this building down before I give you the keys, you don't know if I'm speaking literally or figuratively. We'll never know. Yeah. Um, so what are you afraid of in magic? Are you afraid of not... I assume you're afraid of not uh, not reaching your potential in magic and not manifesting all of your ideas and brilliance into something that other people can experience. No. Like most artists. Not really. Do you think of yourself as an artist or a thinker or a what? Yeah, that's a tough question. Well, why don't you answer it? Uh, no, I don't know. I, I would answer your question if I had an answer to your question. Um, I don't... I think of myself as a... Thinker, a bloviator, pontificator. Yeah, I don't know. I, I the the biggest thing that I am afraid of in magic, which is what I have always been afraid of in magic, is that it's. Uh, I feel like a phony. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I'm surprised that you say that. Really? Yeah, definitely. Because mm-hmm. you seem pretty firm and confident in your sense of yourself and your sense of your your interest in. Um, work and magic. Yes. So what what about you feels like a phony then? Uh, it's a funny thing. And there, I got this idea from, uh, I think it was John Mulaney when he started writing at SNL. Somebody pulled him aside in the hallway and was like, do you feel like a phony? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, we all do. Mm. Right. It's this yeah. thing of like, I don't feel necessarily... And it, it's, a, it's a dichotomy because I am very confident in what I believe and what I say and feel and think but it's also you know who who am i Mm. what you know i'm some dipshit from north louisiana i knew it i heard that i heard the south and i was like i have to talk about this later because it's so it's so rare that it it pops out intermittently yeah so but you know that everybody feels like a phony so then doesn't that make you feel like there's no oh yeah that's how i get away with it i mean not that there's no such thing but there are obviously phonies but i think Mm -hmm. But I think the fun- second I think the second I stop feeling like a phony, I'll be insufferable. But I think being a phony is when you're faking stuff that you don't really. I mean, you're doing things that reflect the truth of who you are. I mean, you're you're doing a podcast about magic where you talk about things that are important to you. Sure, you're doing it and making it. Sure, and you know you're exploring ideas where you of what you want to do with magic and saying, well, I don't think I want to do this because I don't think I'm you know my performance skills are right. Whatever. Sure. I don't. I don't know what would make you. I mean, I think it's an irrational fear because it, the so the the fear is of being called out and not being able to defend myself. Mm. The problem with that is that if I were called out on something, I would be able to defend myself. Right. But I'm afraid of the possibility of that happening and not being able to do anything about it. Right. Most people think they're phonies at something. Yeah. I mean, that's how people 
Oh yeah, sure. And when you go, I mean, I don't know. I guess I feel like maybe I've had more um, opportunity to go into different biz- realms of business because of my work, but. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I will tell you from my point of view that sure. everyone in every industry, no, nobody's born for, you know, to, to run a certain business or to do a certain, I mean, I don't know. I just don't think, I think everybody's as phony as anybody else and that we're just picking what we want to do. And, and when you're just straightforward about who you are and what you want to do, I don't think there's a possibility of being a phony. I think being a phony is only when you're like, I am a, a very successful, you know, when you're like, when you're Gilderoy Lockhart. Absolutely. What? Uh, you not get that Harry Potter reference? Absolutely not. Uh, what do you want me to do? You want me to go read them right now? Yeah. I'll you want pa- me to listen to it. an audiobook? I mean, I you know. Yeah. I'll pause it. I'll pause it. We'll see you we'll in three wait. years. I will never. I don't think that's on my list. My look. My book. Okay, that's look fine. Next next read. thing. Are you going to edit this right? Because no. no one wants to listen to all this. Everybody I think they should be shorter. This. this will be their favorite part of the thing. Right now, me telling you to edit this. Not this part, but the, the phony part, part. Yeah, like three minutes ago. Oh yeah, but I do. I agree with you though that performers, especially, are prone to feeling like phonies. But I think you know. I would say my favorite magicians in this world uh-huh. know that they're not phonies, and yeah. I think that's just a choice of of being bold and knowing that their ideas are robust and that they are doing something. Sure, that I don't they care go around about. broadcasting the fact that I feel like a phony sometimes. No, of course. Like I'm very confident and I, I like you know, like I, I'm I'm very comfortable with who I am and, and what I do. Uh, but I just think it's more fun to be like this is exciting. What if I'm not we're ready? What if I'm not what if this isn't, you know I actually that makes sense to me. I think I think keeping that giddy excitement about things is wonderful. But I also think that I think it's important to know that that the world is made up of phonies or people who are just confident enough in what they're doing to be like, well, this is what I'm doing. I don't sure, know. It's an I, important idea to me for whatever reason. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I've always loved the phrase fake it till you make it because, because <laughs> that's what everything is. That's like, what everything is. And, and also doing it until you, also if you're faking it, you're literally just doing the thing that, right. Yeah. There's no such thing yeah. as faking something. You yeah. just, you know, you did I, the thing. I want to know, I wonder if you could do a survey I would love for you to do a off podcast survey. Okay. You, yeah, the people that you meet, and I'll do the same thing, and we can put our data together okay. of who feels like a phony, and we'll make it a binary thing. They have to either say yes or no, because okay. I'm sure a lot of people will want to qualify. Yeah, let's ask our top ten favorite magicians, okay, if we can, or or favorite performers or favorite whatevers, yeah. And ask if they feel like a phony. Yeah. I really want to know because I think my favorite folks will not say that they feel like phonies. I think half of my favorite will say they do feel like phonies. I think I think two out of ten for me will say it. I would say six out of ten. Interesting. Can we really do this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Because I, you know, and you have to force people to say yes or no. And uh, <clears throat> obviously, because we don't, we, we don't have, it's not a scale. Yeah. And, uh, or should we make it a scale? No. Okay. I think binary just. Great. Because I, I just. Split second. I think, I mean. I, I think it I'm, should be an immediate answer too. I don't think they sure, should be able to. Sure, Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right, and we have to say you need to answer immediately, and there's no yep. qualifying. But I find this fascinating because I th- I I understand that you can know that the world is made up of people who feel like they're phonies and still feel that way. But I I just don't think it's functional. I I I feel like once you understand that, there's no reason to feel like a phony. Except you know I love the excitement element you're talking about because I think keeping that that 
giddiness for things is amazing if you can I, do that. Yeah, I, I try to zoom out and look at the bigger picture. Yeah, and that's sure. what that's what the phoniness really is. Is like I I am in a fortunate position to be able to kind of shape magic a little bit mm. and influence it in a way that I never thought I would be able to. And so that's where it comes from. It's like, I, I can do this big, huge thing. And I know logically that I'm totally qualified for it mm. and that I'm better probably than a lot of people to do it. But that doesn't stop me from going, yeah, I mean, yeah, come on. But No, I think, but I think that's two different things. Feeling like a phony and doing the zoom out. I think the zoom out is one of the greatest things. I mean, I do, I do that multiple times On a day. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you can zoom out obviously to different levels. You can zoom out to, you know, the span of your life and sure. think like, oh, I'm a kid who came from Louisiana. Now I'm doing all these great things. Yeah. I love doing that. I, you can zoom out to the global level. You can zoom out to the universal level yeah. and it's all extraordinary in, in trying to keep your perspective in mm -hmm. check because we're so built to get in these little patterns yeah. and just, you know, forget all of mm -hmm. this. So I love that. But I, I think that's very different from feeling like a phony. I think that's just understanding the truth of the fact that people just pick what they want to do and either do it or don't do it. Sure. And, you know, to, to different degrees. And, and that, you know, I think, I, think, I think feeling phony is a shame only because I think people do act, you know, when people act grandiose or they kind of do that self-inflation thing, I think that's the ugliest thing in the world because it obfuscates the truth. You know, The thing about it. phonies, though, is they don't feel like phonies. I think they do sometimes. Really? Yeah, definitely. They, People I know in TV that like act all brash and and uh, you know do that kind of like, well, I'm I'm just extraordinary in my career. Yeah. They would also be like, oh man, yeah, definitely. Even some psychopaths that I know yeah. <laughs> in TV would would say that. I really think that's the case. I mean, this is a whole realm of study, but I think sure. most I think people are just extraordinarily similar even if they have psychological problems yeah i think they are they are similar but i can't wait to see the results of our survey i really can't are we going to write down the names of who we asked to but keep yeah. that private just so we know who each other asked yes what if we ask the same people the, yeah that's why we have to write down yeah because we can't ask this yeah people. no and then we'll gather more data i'm so excited about this should we have a list of 10 questions then that we ask those no. people to Okay. Just one. Well, okay, just go ahead and pick that right <laughs> off. What if we added one question, which is, what is the greatest potential of magic? I want to know what that's like an essay, though. Yeah, I don't want to give somebody. I don't want to give somebody a snap. Yes Could or you no answer. stop snapping? <laughs> just kidding. Please keep snapping as long as you don't snap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, messing with you is really enjoyable. So, how many people listen to your podcast? Tens of people. Yes, <laughs> good delivery, people. If you could have seen that, no, you don't want to say. Tell me what? How many people listen to your podcast? Thousands. That's great. So you want to grow to tens of thousands? Uh, yeah. Surely I'd thousands grow, for podcasts on magic is good. Thousands. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. I, I'm very proud of uh, my listenership. I'm, I'm averaging proud of about you for doing it. I'm averaging about seventeen hundred listens a week. It's great. It's pretty good. What does that mean? Managing listens. What does that have to do with? work averaging. like what do you have to do uh, oh yeah, yeah. sorry i thought you said managing i was like wow this is yeah. intricate um I okay i might have said managing but i meant average i'm i'm impressed with you i think you're doing a great job oh thank you um i think later on down the road i'm going to encourage you to cut episodes down to under an hour so that people listen but that's fine i get it i get okay. you're doing what you want to do yeah i don't want to take that away from you louisiana thank you appreciate just it. a boy from louisiana yeah doing his podcast yep it's good though. Thanks. I mean, it's a good way of communicating and you know connecting people. Sure. I listen to magic podcasts every once in a while. Why? 
because if there are people whose ideas I really like, I want to see what they have to say. And I I don't listen to any magic podcast. I listen to one podcast. I'm a one podcast guy. What is it? You made a weird Pete Holmes. Interesting. Yeah. I only listen. I, uh, I listen to a few, but really just one pretty obsessively, which I'm going to tell you, even though you're not going to ask, which is Sam Harris's podcast. I think is really good. Who's that? Uh, Sam Harris is a, well, he's a neuroscientist, but really he's, I would call him a public intellectual, if that's a fair enough term. And he writes about all the ideas, pretty much all of the ideas that I find the most interesting about life. So consciousness and uh, free will and AI and the mysteries of human behavior. I'll give you some episode recommendations. If cool. Yeah. Like to put those in your pocket and never use them. Yes. All right. Uh, that, a piece of that's paper. probably what. <laughs> okay. Well, I know it's a I long like, drive from here to San Diego. I'll, I'll listen to one on the way. And his now. are a couple hours long sometimes, but he's also talking to, you know, the leading academics in their field or whatever. So I guess yeah. you can kind of rationalize why you would put the whole thing on there. Sure. With this, I'm not sure how we would rationalize this. I mean, I love our thinking, yeah. but I'm not 100% sure that we can justify. What has this been? Eight hours? Yes. This feels like it's been forever. Does it really? It feels, it feels to me like, like it's it hasn't really long. been at all. Well, it feels to us like it's brief, but I know it's going to feel brief to us because we've been talking and enjoying it. If I were listening to this as an external brain, I'd be like, oh, God, these two. See, that's fascinating to me because I don't feel that way at all. The one podcast that I listen to averages over two hours an episode. But you only listen to one. I don't think. Do you think there's somebody out there that only listens to your podcast? No. But Let's find out. Let's do a listener survey for you. I, yeah, okay. And let's do the phony question of who feels like a phony. Okay. I'm so fascinated by this idea. Do you want to write a listener survey for me? Yeah, absolutely. You'll have to be a listener first. I'm writing it down on my phone as we speak. This is so exciting to me. Let's do a listener survey. We're going to ask about length. Hello. Okay. Uh, uh, listeners, just know that uh, regarding the length question, I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, look, they can also dip around, but then you need like chapter mark markers or something so they no, can get to. Not happening. Oh boy! Well, look how listen to how pure this is. That's what I want. If I if we're if we're media is meant to be listen, pure. Men, media is edited. If we are meant to be, yeah, but and people, shows people, are, wait, can, people you, can go get edited shit everywhere. Fine. Look, this is you for can people make it that what you want, want it to this be. Is, this is for people that want to be able to sit down in a room and listen to two people talk about something they love. But you can do that in a restaurant. No. Okay. I love it. Look, I want you to do exactly what you want to do. I'm not going to not do exactly what I you want. I see that. And all I want to tell you, because you might change your mind, uh -huh. is that people, because the length of media consumption is getting shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. And I know there will always be people that do want to sit down and listen to people talk. I mean, mm -hmm. look, I totally hear you. And sure. magic is the one thing where I would happily listen. Not the one thing. One of the things I would listen to people talk about sure. ad nauseum. Yeah. But I think at some point you're gonna you're gonna realize that people might want to think ah oh, like they don't look and go oh god two hours and fifteen minutes how am I no okay let's find an hour long episode That's or something totally fine with me we're staring each other down people That's what's actually happening hmm. I, okay. we'll I, see what happens look I I love your. You know what you were when you when we were talking about enthusiasm and keeping getting us about life. That's the most important thing in the world. And if that's what you know, you get to create this. I mean, podcasting is a pretty extraordinary thing, and yes. makes me feel connected to humanity. Yeah. So I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Really, I yeah. I really love. Are you wrapping us up right now? <laughs> uh, and with that, I'd like to <laughs> kick you out. No, not at all. But I'm yeah. just I'm telling you my thought about it because I really sure. do 
like that you're doing it. And I will listen to a ton of episodes you after this. do not have to do that. I'm, I'm just telling you that I'm going to. I'm not telling you in a, like, a favor way. How did I'm you telling hear you. about me? My, Because uh, you came a, to me. That's the yeah, first time that's Yeah, a girl that's happened. working for me mm-hmm. reached out to you mm-hmm. because she saw the podcast and she thought it looked cool. And she said she was doing some media outreach in, for our Portland screening of the film. Mm-hmm. And she said... I found this podcast that looks really cool and looks up your street. Do you want me to write them? And I said, sure. And then she said, do you want me to set up a time? And I was like, no, I'll do that myself because I don't deserve an assistant. Just kidding. I didn't say that. I was like, let me just do it because I'm going to make them come to my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which worked out fine. Yeah. Zip right up the five or something. Yep. Great. Super easy. Perfect. I also, I love this area. Uh, Dave Buck used to live like a block that way. Whoa. On Skid Row? No. Times are hard. No, just kidding. I'm sure. No, he lived on Eighth uh, and Spring. I don't know those guys, but one day I will meet them. Yeah, they're kind of the best. Oh, they like, probably literally. would be the best rather than kind of the best. Yeah. Do you think you're the best podcaster of Magic? Oh, easily. Are other people? Do- I don't even know. I'm gonna go check it out. I usually search podcast. By episode <laughs> I said title. that very confidently. I like. I don't. I don't listen to the other ones. I really don't know. I've gotten great feedback. That's that's what I can say unequivocally. Is that. That's People awesome. have had really positive things, experiences, because of conversations I've had. I'll be interested to know. I'll check back in with you in like a year or so and see if any of your ideas have changed. I'm really curious about your, you know, I guess we're the same in that my reluctance to perform has always been that I don't think, well, for me, it's really about, about um, skill with, uh, you know, not having been practicing magic my whole life and, mm-hmm. and, and seeing these people that really have been and have committed their lives to it. And I just think, well, what is the point of doing something in a 30% capacity? Yeah. However, I don't want to let that stop me from being able to do the things that I want to do in magic. And so I fight that idea. I've been fighting that idea the whole time, the whole sure. 10 years that I've been into magic. So, mm-hmm. um, although no, it's 11 years now. It's my 11th year anniversary. It's an important one. Yeah. Um, it's the plastic anniversary. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we should let that stop us. I think you, I think you might change your mind. Uh, about what? About performing more. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely see it down the road. Okay. I just What do you work on? What memory. do you work on when you practice? Uh, nothing. I fiddle. <laughs> I work on the diagonal palm shift. <laughs> and only that. Basically, yeah, I'll do it. I'll sit there and do it a thousand times. It's great. Then I'll well, do some shuffle work, too. and then I'll do, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But that's not fulfilling to anyone but me. And that's the thing, is I'm not going to go out and do something that doesn't have some sort of impact. See, and if I could get a couple of really strong false fall shuffles under my belt in a way that I felt super confident about, I just mm-hmm. know exactly what I would do with them. Cool. But I would also not so want to do it. I just want to do it with, like, different type of cards. You know, I'd want to do it with uh, non-playing. I don't think playing cards and I are going to be in an act together okay because it doesn't really fit with what i'm doing but uh so maybe i need to practice those false shuffles on no cards totally beyond no cards yeah no on a different deck i don't want to use tarot i'm trying to think of like a you know if you weren't using tarot but but something similar to that that symbolizes you know or even like a deck of card you know blank playing cards with (laughs) calm down blank playing cards but with you know emotions written on them or just names you know so like playing cards Okay. Pipe down. <laughs> You're so helpful right now. You're so helpful to me as I think this through. Yeah. Never mind. Element. You know, I know a place where you can learn some really cool fall shuffles. Uh, it's my Cult. website. <laughs> so, really? Is that right? Yeah. 
I don't know that I would learn them from your website when I continue learning them. Which even as I say it now, I'm like, why am I not just doing them every day until, yeah. you know, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I shouldn't even be saying this. It's terrible. Yeah. But I, I, do think, I do think it's interesting is like practice apathy, you know? Oh, my God. But it's, it's the core of what procrastination is in general. It's the fear of not having it actualized to a great degree, but like manifested not even in thought, but just in your body. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And you're not thinking to yourself in words, you know, oh, well, I'll probably never be as good as my favorite magicians. And so therefore, I'm not going to do it. You're just mm-hmm. sort of you have this this uh, embodied sort of feeling the, you know, the cortisol starts coursing through your veins and you're like, oh, I'm going to do that another time. Are you a big procrastinator? Yeah. No, look, those are cards I still need to dump from a shoot two days ago. Yeah. But that's an easy one, actually. That's just because right. I haven't been home. But uh, no, the most important thing to the most important things to me, I procrastinate on the most. I, but I think everybody's that way, or to a degree, except they're really. Good I certainly people. am that way, yeah. which is why I'm not outperforming. Is because it's like I know I know what I want to do. I don't know how to do it. See, It'll I knew happen it. Eventually. See, you're now telling me so this is different how you phrase it before, and I should have known that this was the case. And this is why I want to push you, as I want people to push me. My friend said to me, "You need to stop talking about magic and go out and perform more, so that you get new input and just start dealing with this." And I, I think it's true, and I think it's true for you. I think we have to stop. I think we have to stop using that thought of like, "Well, I'm never going to be like this person," and so what's the point? Oh, I don't I think that's don't useful. At all have that? Well, not so. like this person, but I mean that our that our skills aren't going to be like. The skills are one part of a greater pursuit, mm-hmm. and I think it would be a shame to let one <clears throat> element of things stop you from pursuing a greater, um, a greater aspect of things. And I, and I sure, goal. yes. Uh, Skill wise, I'm I'm set. Oh, I've so got you're perfect. I, yes. Oh, well, great. Totally. Okay, then what I are we am, talking about? I'm I don't infallible, understand. like the Pope or a Pharaoh. <laughs> like, Pharaoh, how dare you bring so, ancient Egypt into this? So I'm I don't good. appreciate it. No, what I mean when I say that... Um, you're confusing me a lot. You think you're perfect at your skills? No. that I was yes-anding the bit. We're not in an improv class. Don't yes-and me. My life is an improv class. Oh, Lord. Um, Lord, help us and save us from all of this. Dear sweet God. Dear sweet Jesus, right. please bless us with your holy trinity so, of no, improv. I, I could go and do, I, 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 can, I can go perform. That's easy. I, I've done it. I have the chops and the background in performing to go and perform. Mm, I've done a bunch of gigs. Okay. I was a busker for okay. a while. I believe you. Uh the the reason I don't want to perform is because the idea that I have of a show cannot be actualized with what I have at my disposal. Gotcha. I understand. So we need to pursue that for you. I am not interested in pursuing it currently. I have other. I don't believe interests. you. I literally don't believe you. I literally don't believe you. I think you <laughs> want to pursue it very much. That's so funny. I can't uh, change your mind about. Sure, that. I know. Well, it's I'm obviously very ridiculous to. what I'm saying, but. I also just think that it's the case, so okay. well, I'm like 75% sure, 85 And I just want to suggest that you, look, I like your intensity with magic and what you're doing, and I want to encourage you on all different levels so that we don't miss anything. We can't Thank miss you. anything, because when we die, it's all over, unless we're brain in a vat, which I will totally do if I can get the, you know, if the cryogenics are uh-huh. up to snuff. Sure. I'll do it. Uh-huh. And hopefully you'll be in the same room as my vat. Uh-huh. And we could talk about magic 
in 400 years. I don't think I want to talk about magic for the rest of eternity. You don't? <laughs> no. Oh. Well, we should have established this at the beginning. Yeah. So funny that I that's what I'm that's what I'm doing now is I'm getting out all of the talking about magic. That's funny. I like that. I don't know. I'm I'm interested. I I see uh Anyway, look, let's wrap this up. Ain't nobody going to listen to this far. I mean, that's not going to happen. It absolutely If anybody listens to this time. point, I want you to email me at marcyhume at gmail.com. Screen cap, tag her on Tell me if Twitter you think you're a phony. Stuff. Actually, that's true. If you're listening this far, email me and tell me if you're a magician or if you're not a magician. Just mm-hmm. tell me either way and tell me if you think you're a phony. And it'll go into our database of uh, this little ad hoc study we're doing. Wait, is that? Uh, tell me about the film. I made a documentary about life as a magician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started out wanting to make a film about magic, which is a very broad thing to say, but that's mm-hmm. what I wanted. I wanted to make a film about that illustrated my view of, of magic and what it's uh, all the things we talked about at the beginning of this, really, mm-hmm. and what it was to me. And um, there were different ideas of how to do that. And I always knew that I would tell a story through, you know, human stories because I think that's how people know and learn about things um, and just how our minds are are kind of built is to follow the stories of individuals and it was tough at the beginning the people uh, there were some people that I really loved and and wanted to include in the film that were pretty cantankerous and difficult Um, and then uh, the film the film sort of just became what it is now which I really really love and it's definitely different from what I intended but you know we you sort of have to, I don't know, there's a point where you, you do what's right for the footage that you've got. And we definitely followed people's lives and saw things play out and explore different themes in their lives and all of that. And I really, really love the film. And I'm really, I mean, I, at a certain point, you know, we always knew we would finish it no matter what. But there were definitely points where I was like, mm, will we? Because this is impossible. <laughs> like, this is just so impossible. We never had any substantial financing. And uh, we just were hellbent on finishing it. And I'm just so happy that it's out there. It's on Netflix. We got, did a Netflix global deal, which is great. Like we were just, that's what we, that's one of the things we really, really wanted was to get a Netflix global deal. And we mm-hmm. just weren't sure if we were going to get it. Um, and we did. So it's out there now everywhere. And um, I am so happy with it. And it's, I'm, I'm happy that I have, something that at least shows what it is to make a living in magic. And I, I'm proud of the magic in it. I think the magic in it is is good. You know, I think we showed, you know, um, John Ar- some of John Armstrong's routines and, you know, David Minkins does, does some really beautiful stuff in the film. And, you know, we spent a lot of time shooting and editing the magic in a way that put across what it was and what, you know, put it in the context of performance, but also let it really be a beautiful thing on its own. So I'm pretty proud of that, too. So I hope everybody sees it and likes it mm-hmm. and gets our rating up to five on Netflix. Yeah. Which is only because I want it to have a good rate. That doesn't do anything for me. There's no monetary <laughs> benefit to that. It's just pride and joy. Yeah. Did that cover it? No. Well, what else do you want me to say about it? How I mean, I want to make another documentary about magic in five or ten years. Yeah. How did you pick the magician? I know you said that there were people you wanted to work on. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of, we, you know, we filmed with a bunch of people and it was really... You know, the story I tell all the time at Q&As and things is that, you know, Brian Gillis, I was like, I'm not sure that I want to include Brian Gillis. He's really funny. And we did this. We filmed him in his his castle house in Redondo Beach. And we had this moment where that's in the film where the dogs jump on the bed. He's in Susie Pond's room and he says, this is her room. And, you know, we've broken up now. 
um, and the dogs run up on the bed and, and he's kind of trying to decide if he should keep talking or not. And, um, and Christoph and I both, you know, my filmmaking partner and I both at the moment that that happened, we were just stock still trying not to laugh and also thinking like, this is a magical documentary moment. And then we came back to film him one other time. We're like, let's just see how this plays out. And we went to his house, his castle. And he said, actually, I forgot to tell you, I moved around the corner. And so we went to this tiny little place that he had. And it was just such a stunning moment and such a, you know, kind of art versus commerce illustration of mm -hmm. life in an art form like that, that we just kept filming with him. Um, John Armstrong, I just knew. John Armstrong was sort of a special one to me in the sense that his personality was just so intriguing to me. And I knew that he was just, there was so much under the surface of, you know, the walls that he kind of has up and his way of interacting socially that I just knew pretty quickly that I needed to include him. Although at first I really didn't want to include him because I didn't want to give him any extra attention because he was very ostentatious when he met me and very like, hello, I'm John Armstrong. And I was like, oh God brother not this guy but then i was like oh i have to include him because he's clearly really intriguing um and then jan reuven came about because we just met him through somebody that we knew in germany and and one of the producers we were working with at the time um was like you need stage illusionists and i was like i really don't i really don't want that and he was like well you just need to try and cover more of a spectrum so we did and they were so funny so funny like we did the first interview we did with him as the first thing in the film which is like a really even almost like a kind of waiting for Guffman best in show sort of like a mockumentary setup of them and their dog and it was so funny so we were like oh god let's get some levity in here so we included them um and which ironically I think <laughs> Dustin in the Magic Castle newsletter said ironically they are the comic relief of the film it's like yeah good that's a great use of ironic um and uh David Mink and I just knew and you know, it was because I knew him and he, I was like, well, let's just film with Mencken because he is, you know, I've talked with him about magic a lot and let's just see. And he was a really difficult person to film with, like really tricky, didn't want to give anything away. And I, I, of himself, I think, and really tried and tried and tried with him. And we almost cut him out of the movie at one point, but, um, but ultimately, yeah, I don't, for whatever reasons and, you know, going through different cuts of the movie, we ended up keeping him in and I, yeah, I think his magic in the movie is really great. And, um, there are certain parts of his story that I think are really interesting. And, um, but you know, you just know that he's not, I mean, people are all like, you know, why didn't he open up fully? Like you just tell, you know, you just know, people know when you're, when you're open or not. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I will take that as a failing on my part that I didn't get to that point with him. Um, but yeah, that was that. So if I if I redid the film now, you know, or not redid the film, if I do another film, it'll be a different film, totally different film. <laughs> Sorry, different. Obviously, it will be a different film, but it will be different in the sense that I will hope I would have people that then represented different things about magic because I think ultimately that's what happens is you you know the people that you pick for a story dictate so much about the themes you can address in an area. I mean, that was five paragraphs about the movie. Is that enough? We need to wrap this up, Elliot. I'm serious. Nobody's going to listen this far. How'd you get into filmmaking? I honestly, you know what? It's the phony story. I met, I really always loved documentary and TV. And for whatever reason, I never really thought, I don't know. I didn't think that I could work in that. I, and I don't know why that is. I mean, I had, you know, my mom always told me I could do whatever I wanted and really supported me. There's no reason I should have felt that. But I met somebody who worked at the BBC was a, was a director and he was just not that bright and not that interesting and I was like 
if this person is a director and producer, I surely can do this. And so, you know, I was in my ambitious 20s and just wrote in to do a work experience at the BBC and just worked really, really hard and then got a you know, production secretary job that I spun into like a researcher job and then a researcher job that I spun into a producer job, just like overdid everything. Um, there are a lot of, then I realized there are a lot of people working in TV that, I mean, they're not phonies because they're working in TV, but they're just not super bright mm -hmm. and they're not, um, you know, they just aren't, I don't know. I don't know how to even describe it. I mean, there are obviously a lot of great per people working in TV as well, but um, I just didn't know. I guess I thought in the back of my mind, I think Anthony Owen says this in his, he wrote that little book called uh, Let's Shoot the Magician, which is about magicians doing television. And I remember reading the sentence in it where he says, you know, TV producers are just normal people. So don't, you know, some, something like that to kind of normalize it. And I remember reading that and thinking, and remembering, oh my God, I remember thinking that people who worked in television when I was younger were somehow like knew something that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And they do eventually learn things that I didn't know sure. at the time, but they're not. They're not know, inherently better than. Right. You. And they're not inherently TV people. They yeah. just found their way in or, or like me kind of manhandled my way in and, you know, worked hard enough that I and learned enough that I, I kind of got, you know, to I've been working in TV this whole time. But um but I remember reading that and thinking like, yeah, I remember when I first started work experience, it was this other world to me, which now, of course, it is running through my veins. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> oh, you. That's, that's kind of another point that I have a small little goal for this podcast is that is giving people listening that realization mm. that these, you know, I'm sitting down with big names in magic and they're just people. There's a regular dudes and dudettes. Yeah, magic yeah. is like that a lot too. I think that, I mean, I am sort of interested on a personal level, not in a filming it for a documentary level, on the, the kind of sociology of magic, I guess, the social world of magic. And they're really, the hierarchy is so strong. It's much stronger in magic, I think, than in any other realm that I've kind of investigated or been part of or filmed or whatever that is. And it's interesting to me because I don't think it benefits anyone. You know, I think it's nice. The the part that's a sort of um, meritocracy is nice. And I think the fact that we kind of acknowledge, you know, this person is incredibly knowledgeable and experienced and has invented a lot of stuff. And we give that person respect, I think, is fantastic. But I think there's a we yeah, the weird. I mean, I've seen people be so nervous around other magicians. And I'm, I'm just always like, oh, my God, this is so unnecessary but but then those when those people love it and kind of take that on board and they're like yes i am the best thank you so much you know it's like oh brother it really feeds itself and and i i don't love that mm -hmm. and i try and kind of take it down a little bit sometimes sure and uh i don't know if that works necessarily oh, yeah. that's that's all i'm trying to do it's humanize yeah but i think you know a meritocracy is great but i think people being you know so to your point, I think that's a good thing because you're right, of course, like every magician that would be your favorite, your top 10 magicians, as you know, I'm sure from knowing them or interviewing them or whatever, are just have anybody who's good at anything struggles with it in massive ways. You mm -hmm. know, they can't be good if they're not really racking their brains and their souls over it and trying to figure out the best way they can actualize it and feel, feeling like they're not doing it justice and worrying and all of that. Yeah. It's definitely happening. It's been really great talking with you. <laughs> How long have we been doing this? Email me at, if you've gotten this far. Two hours. 158. See, we're cutting this off. <laughs> I've really loved talking with you. I am, I'm literally wrapping this up for us. 
So it'll be under two hours mm-hmm. or just over two. And I really want to reiterate that I love what you're doing and I'm going to go listen to my favorite people. I have favorite like magical thinkers that I will go search for on your podcast. And if they're not on there, I will write you and suggest them. Okay. And I'll just, uh, yeah, look for my favorite folks and listen. And I'm really excited to do that. What are your, what are your other ambitions for this podcast besides getting up in your listenership? Uh, to have Copperfield on the podcast as the specific guest. I've had him on the podcast tangentially. Like you brought a recorder to the warehouse or what? No, he called somebody during the podcast. That's hilarious. Who I was interviewing and on purpose because he knew that this, the podcast was happening. I mean, he is the most, he's one of the most extraordinary personalities I can think of. And uh, one of, you know, it would be so amazing to, you know, I hope at some point he gives somebody the the ability to do a documentary about him and totally gives over to it rather than doing a kind of glossy piece, you know, like really, really dives into it. I don't think that would ever happen, but that would be a dream situation. I mean, he is a very, very intriguing psyche, don't you think? I would love to make that film, but I would also be just as happy, almost just as happy to see that film. Mm-hmm. But he'd have to really dive in and really go for it and really yeah. talk about, you know, dive into the shit. Oh man, it would be good. Yeah, it would be amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would like to do some live episodes of the podcast. I think that would be fun. Why don't you do it as a perk at the castle? That, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... All right, well, I'm we, really glad that you do this. Thank you for doing this for Magic. Thank you for appreciating it. You're welcome. Um, we usually end the podcast by having the guest tell a story about the hardest time they were fooled. Oh, wow. Or a time that they were fooled very hard, badly. Well, can it be at the beginning of my journey of with course, Magic? Of course, absolutely, sure. I, yeah, I, it is that story. I, I remember it because I told myself to remember it. Because, I, you know, as I was telling you before, I, I, had, I had books ordered. I was ready to dive in the very beginning of my Magic Pathway. And, uh, and I just remember the, the effect was that somebody in the audience picked, uh, picked a random person and picked Superman. Mm-hmm. And this was... Was it Seinfeld? Seinfeld? Yeah. What? Was the random person that was chosen in the audience Seinfeld? Oh, Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah. Uh, no, it was not. Thank you for asking. Okay. Is that a reference to his magic jokes that are... No, that's a reference to Superman. <sighs> you got a lot that of this whole second, geeky Harry Potter, Superman. Right that, none of that. Head. That is not my world. I am not a geeky person. I am not into... Harry Potter or Seinfeld is only the most successful sitcom ever. I thought you said it was a Superman reference. Look, it is. Let's not go down this path. Okay. So, so uh, it was this. My my sort of first friend in mentalism was a guy um, that hopefully we'll all know and love called Colin McLeod, and he's now doing other things and in a big touring show, Uh, and I believe has changed his name slightly. But uh, anyway, so he was. I think he was like 22 at this point. I mean, he was like an actual child. And he did an effect that, uh, so somebody said Superman, and he, he, he actually did, I think, a little bit of a magician in trouble moment. He's like, oh, I thought it was this, whatever. And then, don't remember, there was some kind of lighting cue or something, and he opened up his shirt, and he was wearing a Superman, you know, t-shirt or costume or whatever underneath. And so this is pre, 
this is like before I had any idea really what mind reading was. Like I didn't have any clue what was going on. And the idea that he had gone on stage with this, uh, you know, wearing this this whole time Mm -hmm. and knew in my mind, somehow knew this person would say this. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's such a like, you know, simple idea, right? But it was executed in a way that I just couldn't begin to figure out what was going on. And it was such an impactful moment because I just, the feeling that it gave me was just, it's like I was saying, I guess, the complete unknown. I was like, I don't understand. Did he, I didn't even know where to start thinking about it. And I was, I was, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, he just, this, these two people, like in some way connected, something happened here that I don't know. I have no idea what it was. And it was like the biggest mystery I could imagine, which is so funny to think about now, because obviously it was like a very simple um, method, but, uh, but it was just beyond what I had, had even imagined possible. So that was beyond being fooled. That was like my last big moment before I started really investigating magic of just thinking, I cannot believe this just happened. Oh, it was so amazing. And then I had to shoot. My call time was like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I was up thinking about it until like 3 a.m. So I just got no sleep. And I was so happy. And it was like, I was almost, almost like the room was spinning. It's like, I can't believe that just happened. Mm-hmm. Is that embarrassing to talk about now as a magic person and look no, back and God, think, no. like, how was that? No. Why would that be embarrassing? I don't know. It's just ridiculous when you talk it's about beautiful. times. I mean, I get fooled all the time. Yeah. I write friends and I go, can you, pl- I'll write somebody and just be like, please, I, I just tell me either where I can find this or just tell me what the method is because I'm really perplexed. Mm-hmm. Because it's really, there are things that you find easy. For me, I find easy to, to understand the method right away because you know it and have read sure. about it a lot. But a lot of things especially outside of mentalism when i see i'm like man are you an obsessive person i don't know i mean i think i'm obsessive in my in a way in a way that you know i'm very interested in things that i'm interested in i i but i don't i'm not good at diving into the details hour upon hour like an asperger's person would be good at i'm sure i wasn't i didn't mean like that i just meant like i meant it like that (laughs) i mean i yeah i'm I'm obsessive in my in my uh metaphorical heart Uh but not in my actions Mm. Okay. Are you obsessive? No. <laughs> Good work, I guess. I guess that's why you don't care about dying. Yeah. Not obsessed with life. It's not that I don't care about dying. It's that I'm not afraid of it. I know. Let's end it on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking about that and letting me tell that story. You're welcome. It was beautiful. Thank Thanks. you very much. Goodbye forever. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Well, let's talk again after I make my next film about magic. Okay. Or until I have a lot more to say about my, you know, maybe I will challenge myself to in a year be doing so much new stuff in my performance world that I think it's worth talking about. And I'll ask you about it if I can come talk about it. We'll see. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, it's a good way to go out. Thank you so much. This is really lovely and very surprising. I had had no expectations coming in here. That's great. I'm sorry we didn't talk about the movie more, but I'm also really glad that we didn't. So thank you for letting me talk about it. Why are you glad that we didn't? Because I talk about it all the time. Yeah. And this is my favorite conversation to have in the world, basically, Uh is this. Yeah. And not the movie. Talking about magic. Yeah. Yeah. I I just don't get to do it very much. I mean, I get to do it with friends, but not with new people that I just met today. Yeah. It's great. It made me happy. Good. I'm glad. So you feel good? You feel energized? I yeah, I always feel energized when I'm talking about magic, even when you have that look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean, but and you're just very calm. Just you're very calm. Yeah, good Thank work. You. Okay, well, good luck with everything. I'll be listening to all of them and checking on you <laughs> okay. and telling you what to do.
Okay. And, okay. I will and don't be, forget about the data we're gathering. I will be gleefully ignoring all of your... Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll have my assistant email you again because you paid attention to her apparently. Okay. We're do- gathering our data though. Don't forget. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Okay. Me too. Okay. Okay. Bye. If you're still listening, screen cap and send it to Marcy. What's your email again? MarcyHume at gmail.com. M-A-R-C-I-E. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> I stopped at the I. I don't know what happened. Mild stroke. M-A-R-C-I-E-H-U-M-E at gmail.com. Great. And do the whole question thing about if you think you're Are funny. Are you funny? Yeah. I know that more than... Oh, well, I, I'm going to put my guesses down in an email to you. Okay. What I think is going to happen. All right. Okay. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> I'm leaving town. <laughs>